0: From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. If you have any need for an improved internet presence or want to improve your marketing, call EPR Creations. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Take a look at their, at their uh, portfolio. It's pretty impressive very reasonable prices. And while you're at it, go and sign the the showthesafeties.com petition for better angles in football, televised football, so we can actually see what's happening on the field. So this episode, we're going to focus on the new staff hires and a couple of the new additions personnel-wise for, uh, as far as players. The coaching staff is very nearly complete. Only one position left to be hired, and uh, that one should be Filled shortly after the new year, they've also made some moves in terms of support staff and uh, and taking care of some key needs. There added a couple transfers, a lot to talk about. There also going to address some questions, uh, some Q and A at the end of this this episode. Uh, one thing I'm not going to do, I am not planning on doing a preview of the Sun Bowl. Because quite frankly, I'm just not that interested in it, and uh you know I'm already well past this season, and uh moving forward into the other stuff i'll do some do some evaluation of that and do some film some look at some of the film the the stuff that's relevant from the Florida game and from the Arizona State game on the patreon site I'll add a few more things up there, but to be honest, I've been focused really heavily on some horse trading and and working. Uh, working hard on learning as much as I can about what Norvell and uh, fuller did at Memphis and uh getting my hands on some resources there uh to be able to explain that and to understand that to know thats to know their systems as as much as i can uh and i've uh that's that's been where most of my efforts have been uh of late and just haven 't really focused a whole lot on what they 're doing for the for the Sun Bowl, which is just not that important of a game in terms of uh of anything. So what, what really matters is, is the moves that they're making, uh, off the field right now and, uh, what they're doing, what the, what the plan is moving forward and whether or not they're able to attract the necessary talent to get the program rebuilt into the, uh, into the aim that it should be. So into the area that it should be. So, that said, let's just jump right in. Uh, we've, we've already talked a little bit about some of the coaching hires. I mean, the first thing that, that, that uh, Norvell did is he brought in his offensive and defensive coordinators. And, and that actually, you know, that, that, was, that was smart. That's the, the direction that you want to go. You want to bring your coordinators in, and then the, your coordinators ideally have some say, have some discussion in terms of guys that they think can, they can work with, that will have good chemistry on their own staff. And, uh, and in terms of support staff and making sure that everything, that all the pieces fit together well, because you can have some really good coaches. You can have a, a good coordinator. And if that coordinator does not mesh well with the other talent that you have with the other coaches that you have, uh, that are coaching with him, that are coaching the the positions and all of that, if that, if that chemistry isn't there, you're going to have a, a bad staff. You can have good overall, uh, coaches in, in different places, but one or two lemons can really, uh, effect where that, the, the that staff, the, the overall success of that staff. So he hired his, his coordinators right away. We talked a little bit about each of them. Dillingham, of course, the offensive coordinator, very young, uh, right around 30, I think 29 or 30, uh, very energetic, has a good reputation. I talked to somebody, uh, who was connected with the, uh, with the the quarterbacks that, or at least one of the quarterbacks that he worked with at Auburn, and uh, and, they, and they they said they really liked him there. Felt like he knew what he was doing, was high energy. The quarterbacks there liked him, so so that's a plus. Uh, and then of course he's worked under Norvell, knows Norvell's system really well. Worked under Gus Malzahn, knows Malzahn's system inside and out, and those systems are very close. Uh, I've gotten my hands on a lot of the materials from uh, from from Memphis. Through some some horse trading, uh, in terms of how they went about things, and it looks very similar. I mean, I have Clemson's playbook from a couple of years ago. It looks really similar to what Clemson's doing, and uh, and actually the Malzahn influence in terms of terminology and a lot of of the way things are taught and all of that is very clear in Norvell's uh, Norvell's offense. Although he's got his own distinctive ways of doing things, and 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 brings a little bit more pro style uh, approach two things than what say Malzahn himself does. And that's where it's a little closer say to what Clemson does Uh, though. Again, in the passing game, there's a little bit more uh, sophistication. I think overall there's, it's an interesting hybrid. I'll just say that there's a lot going on there. Uh, And I'll work as I'm working through learning based on the film that I was able to get, get hold of and, and a couple of the other resources in terms of uh, of how they, how they do things. Uh, I will, um, I will discuss what's necessary or what, what, what can be helpful to, and what, what you need to look for uh, as we, as we move forward. So, um, so yeah, Dillingham, very good hire in terms of, again, a guy who is an up and comer, very, uh, very good recruiter, energetic, brings a, a wealth of knowledge within the system is going to be a, a good mix, a good meld with what Norvell wants is able to do. He knows exactly what Norvell's vision is. This is all exactly the sorts of the sorts of things that you want in a in an offensive coordinator for an offensive minded uh head coach who has historically called his own plays. You want to bring somebody in who knows the deal, who knows that offense inside and out and who can take over some of that, those responsibilities if need be, but also understands exactly how all this is, has worked in the past. So that's, that's a plus. And along with Dillingham, then they also hired Ron Dugans. He's one of the holdovers from the prior staff, obviously a, uh, a player going back to the year before I was at Florida state, uh, and somebody that obviously I've known for a really, really long time and I respect a great deal. And I think, uh, this, that was, there were two guys that I would have retained on the last staff for sure, and Ron is one of them, and I think it was the right decision for Norvell to retain him. Uh, he's a very valuable recruiter, particularly in South Florida. He's also a really good, he's a good coach, and you want him, uh, giving, you, you want to continue to let him bring in uh, receiver talent and develop that, and I think he'll fit well with what they want to do. Uh, beyond that, then you have the other two hires on the offensive side. And this, I tell you what, this is where it gets more impressive. Pulling Alex Atkins, who was the offensive line coach and also offensive coordinator at UNC Charlotte. And, uh, and that, that program, I've had a, a closer look up here in North Carolina at how they have built that program and, uh, and, and the direction that they've gone. And he's, he's done a really, really good job. He did a great job developing that offensive line. They were, they were actually a solid offensive line, despite, I mean, they, they, they've not been high level football for very long and they, they didn't get great talent and he was able to develop talent on the, on the offensive line. And then not only that actually coordinate a a good offense. They were, they were competitive. And, uh, and, and this is one of the things that I think, so I think we're already seeing in Norvell's hires that he has, he has some specific things that he's looking for. He's kind of got some types that, uh, uh, that he wants. And number one, he's looking for young, energetic, hungry guys. If you're not energetic and, and dynamic, odds are you're probably not his kind of guy. We'll talk about a couple exceptions to that but he wants young, hungry guys, and specifically, he seems to place a lot of value on guys who've coached multiple positions and who've, uh, who've had other responsibilities. So you think about hiring Atkins. Atkins is an offensive line coach, but he also, as a former coordinator, understands how all these things fit together better than a lot of offensive line coaches. He's had the responsibility of being the guy. And then you put him in the room with Dillingham, who's been, who, who is an offensive coordinator, and then Norvell. You've got three guys right there who can kick around, who, who have X's and O's chops, who can, who can plan. In, and and there, there's multiple, vo- there's not just one guy doing the game plan, right? There's not just one voice. You've got multiple strong voices there. And that's before you get to the tight ends deputy head coach, Chris Thompson, Chris Thompson is another guy who has coached multiple positions. He has been a head coach. You're talking about a guy with a lot of experience and he brings him in to, you can see kind of the role that, that Thompson's going to have. He's going to be, he's been, he's also, he was a highly regarded offensive line coach himself. He can help out there where needed. So, I mean, you think about this, he was assistant head coach, offensive line coach at Arizona state. He was, and that was when Thompson was at Arizona, or that was when Norvell was at Arizona State. He was a, uh, he was an offensive, he was an offensive line coach at Abilene Christian. Then he coached defensive line at Abilene Christian. So he's coached both sides of the ball. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been a recruiting coordinator. He's been an assistant head coach. He's been, he's been a head coach. So you look at that, that wealth of experience, and then you bring him into the organization and you, you have a bigger view. You have somebody who can step out and have a large scale view. The same thing with somebody again, like Alex Atkins. Atkins has been an offensive line type guy his whole career, but he's also been a run game coordinator at Tulane and then offensive coordinator at UNC Charlotte. That's again, you're getting a a little bit bigger view. You're getting with Dillingham. You're getting a guy who has coached tight ends, a guy who's coached quarterbacks. He's been in the the, the system for a long time. Again, a, a, another strong voice that can actually have something to say in the uh, in the um, in the meeting room. You look at Adam Fuller. Adam Fuller, the defensive coordinator. He's been a defensive coordinator. He's coached safeties. He's coached linebackers. He's also been a head coach. He was the, the head coach at Assumption College. So, and yeah, that's small, that's small school football, but you're still responsible for everything. You still have to see everything. He's also been a special teams coordinator. That's again, that's a big deal. Then you start moving down the list. Obviously Odell Hagen's. I'm not going to spend any time on everybody who's listening to this. You, you should know exactly how highly I think of Odell Hagen's. So you're, you, you, you he's, he's going to be able to help maintain the DNA of the program. Then you get Chris Marv and Marv is one of my favorite hires out of this whole group. So Marv is a guy that has been a linebackers coach his whole career, but he's been a really good one, both at Vanderbilt and at Mississippi State. Highly regarded. He's young, he's under 35, but this is a guy who's going to be a coordinator before long. This is a guy who's going, eventually I, I would expect that Marv becomes a head coach again, based on the, on the reputation that he has. This is a guy who's going to be moving up. Now there are some rumblings. I mean, I know some of the, some of the folks at Mississippi state felt like he was not uh, the best recruiter, but, uh, but again, that's something that they're going to have some support with and, and we'll see whether that was just Mississippi state or whether that's something that should be a, a concern. But either way, I, I think he's going to be a really good coach for a position that has been very poorly coached at Florida State for a while. Then you add to that TJ Rushing, and this is a guy who, very smart guy, first of all, <laughs> was at Stanford. He played at, He played at Stanford, was a really good player at Stanford, played five seasons in the NFL, actually has a Super Bowl ring, That's helpful on the recruiting trail. And then he's coached with Norvell going all the way back to Arizona State. So he was with Norvell at Arizona State in 2012, 2013, back as a graduate assistant and then quality control, then moved on to Northern Arizona, then moved on and was a defensive assistant at Stanford, then rejoined that Todd Graham coaching staff. And if Todd Graham brings you back one thing, go and take a look at Todd Graham's coaching tree. It's insane. He didn't have as much success as a head coach himself, but man, did he develop some coaches? And so this is a guy who was developed in the Todd Graham system, which is a a good high pressure defensive system who then worked at Memphis, who, who started uh, at Memphis in 2018. Norvell brought him in uh, after that. And again, this is a guy who he'd seen him as a young coach and then brought him in later, which tells you that he felt like he was a quality, a quality guy. Then thought enough of him to bring him to Florida state as well. So, Again, uh, you're looking at at a guy who, I mean, over the last cornerback coach is a huge improvement since Florida State didn't have a cornerback coach because of being at a nine coach limit. And prior to that, not uh, allowing Harlem Barnett to bring a cornerback coach as he had expected to do based on interviews. Yeah. Instead, Alonzo Hampton got hired and uh, Barnett went, uh, What? Well, now there's an actual cornerbacks coach. So this is a huge upgrade over no corners coach. (laughs) And then finally, John Papuchis and John Papuchis has been around. He's he's done quite a bit. He was at Nebraska. Look, look, first of all, he coached at LSU, actually with Jimbo Fisher. He was a defensive intern at LSU under Saban and Polini. So he got a first hand view from 2004 to 2007 in those years at LSU when LSU was humming. And when that program was, was, was starting to, to get its way to find its way and become the beast that it became. So he's seen how top level programs get developed. That's again, something that it's pretty clear that, uh, that, that Norvell is targeting with some of these coaches. Then he went, he was taken by Bo Pelini to coach special teams and defensive line at Nebraska. Those are pretty good years on the defensive line at Nebraska. Now they were better years on the interior where Carl Pelini was coaching and Dominican Sioux and some of those others than at defensive end, which is where Papuchis was coaching, but they were really good special teams. Uh, they were really good on special teams at, in those years at Nebraska, which is, uh, which is again, where Papuchis was also coaching. He was their special teams coordinator. Then he was elevated to be the defensive coordinator at Nebraska, From 2012 to 2014, again, under Bo Pelini, ultimately when Pelini was fired and you wonder whether Nebraska made the right decision at that point, because, man, they got a lot worse after Pelini left. And of course, after that, he uh, was hired to coach linebackers at North Carolina, which is, of course, where I got acquainted with him and had some opportunity to interact with him at coaching clinics and and that sort of thing. Uh, He was brought into North. He was brought in to coach at North Carolina because Larry Fedora's defenses had been really bad for a couple of years. And so Fedora hired Gene Chizik, the former Auburn head coach who uh, worked with Malzahn at Auburn. And Chizik brought Papuchis in to coach linebackers with him. And then when Chizik retired, once again, that's when Papuchis stepped up and became the defensive coordinator for the last two years under Fedora, which those were not good years, but there wasn't a lot of uh, personnel there. And also, well, if you look at Fedora's uh, reign in North Carol- at North Carolina, coordinating a good defense under Fedora was, was difficult. So, worth noting. That said, I would not be happy if Papuchis were brought in as Florida State's defensive coordinator. Just would not. With him as a position coach, and particularly as a special teams coach, I think that's a good hire. Is it a great hire? Probably not, but it's a good hire. He's a guy that he he after North Carolina went to Maryland and coached special teams and inside linebackers. I think he's gonna be a solid defensive ends coach. And I think he's gonna be a really good special teams coordinator. And that's gonna be he was brought in to be the special teams coordinator and then to make sure that you had a, a quality uh a quality coach to coach defensive ends. Is he a recruiter? I would not I would not classify John Papuchis as a as an elite recruiter. He's He's somebody that uh, he can be a. He's a decent recruiter, but again, with the Florida State logo, with some help from some of the better recruiters on the staff, he should be good enough. But is he is he an elite recruiter? Is 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 this a guy that is hired to be a recruiter? No, no. But he does have again familiarity going all the way back to how things should run under Pellini and 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 Nick Saban. He's coached under Saban, Pellini, and Gene Chizik. Those are some quality defensive, uh, defensive minds. And then he's also been a very good special teams coordinator uh, at multiple, multiple spots. And so that's again, a plus higher. And, And again, another guy who's coached in multiple, who's coached multiple positions, who's got coordinator experience. And when he's in the room with Adam Fuller, with Chris Marv, this is a guy who's walking in with defensive coordinator experience. He's somebody that can actually help Again, be a voice in game planning and all of that. So, all of this goes to say that I think that this is a this is a good staff. I think the offensive staff. I, I would give the offensive staff an A, I, and 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 that's regardless of who becomes the the running backs coach. I think most likely there there is a pretty likely candidate there, but uh, and, and that they're waiting on. But and and I'm kind of assuming him. But uh, I think the offensive offensive staff is an A. Defensively, I, I would give it. A, I would give. I would give it a B. Um, I, there's nobody that I'm super excited about that they've got an elite defensive coordinator. That you know, you know, this is a uh, a John Heacock level or a Jay Bateman level defensive coordinator. I don't think they have one of those. And I and I think again, they could have probably hi- uh, hired a couple guys that had a better reputation as elite recruiters. And there's not a, a Florida connection with some of these guys. But it's a good defensive staff, and it should be a staff that works well together. And I think they've got some quality teachers on this staff. Fuller is a good teacher. Rushing has a reputation as a good teacher at the corner position. Papuchis should be a good teacher at defensive end. And that's where I would want him, defensive end and special teams. Don't put him at, at linebacker. Don't put him at, uh, at at defensive coordinator. Put him where he's strongest, and that's where he's strongest. Marv has a reputation as an outstanding teacher. So, and and that's what this defense has needed more than anything else. And and that seems to be what he targeted and they're all high energy guys. So, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. Now, beyond that, this is where things get more impressive. And that's looking at the analyst positions that have, that have come in. They've already hired Mike Trier, who as uh, Marshall's corners coach worked with, with Fuller at Marshall. So Fuller already knows Trier. He thinks a lot of him and they're bringing him in not as a corners coach he's taking a a a a demotion in terms of coaching role to come on and coach at Florida State he's going to come on as a defensive analyst and he's going to help with breaking down film with recruiting he's a really good recruiter when guys get on campus with him it's going to it's going to be helpful he's uh high energy again but he's also going to be an important voice in, in, in the room in terms of scheme, in terms of game planning and all of that really big hire. It's a big deal when you're bringing guys who are position coaches in as analysts, that they're taking a step down to coach with you. And that's something we certainly didn't see with the last staff. This is, a, this This shows you something about Norvell that there are guys who are who are going to say, you know what? It's going to be better for my career to take a downward move to coach with that guy at Florida state than to be where I'm at and to coach as a position coach. They're also bringing uh, Tony Takars as a senior analyst, and he was a he was the tight ends coach at uh, at Memphis this last year. He's actually coming in. He's he's been a recruiting coordinator. He's coached both sides of the ball. He he's been a film coordinator. This is a guy who who's done it all, and once again brings a large amount of organizational experience, and again, experience with Norvell and understanding how he wants things done. And he's bringing him in to be a senior analyst and make sure that everything's done the way that it needs to be behind the scenes so that they can make sure that, the, that they're focused on the right things in game planning. This is all. This is all exactly the sorts of things that needed to happen. Beyond that, they got rid of they cleaned house in terms of the uh, GAs, quality control, all of that, all of the, all of the analysts and everything that were there, but they kept the two guys that I would have kept on the defensive side of the ball. Stanford Samuels, the, you know, not, not the third who's going pro, but his, but his father, Stanford Samuels is is sticking around. He's going to, he's going to still be coaching. And I think that's a great decision. First of all, he's really well connected in, in the Miami area, South Florida, in terms of the seven-on-seven system, all of those people down there, all of the coaches down there, this is a guy who can get on the phone with all of those people, and they all respect him. And they should, because he's a good football mind. He understands more than just football. He understands how the world works. And he's a guy that, when people from South Florida visit campus, he's going to be an important voice and an important recruiting asset, in addition to being a good scheme asset. He's one of the good scheme assets that they had on the last staff. And then the other guy that they're keeping is Joe Bowen, who was an, who originally came down with Harlan Barnett as a, as an analyst, as a quality control guy, and then actually got so frustrated by what he was seeing in terms of the on-field coaching at certain spots that he actually took a demotion and became a, a graduate assistant just so that he could actually help with the coaching part because analysts can't coach graduate assistants help with coaching. So he did that just so that he could actually get on the field and help. And he's a really good scheme mind. He's a guy who can coach multiple positions on the defensive side and has, and actually has some connection to Fuller from other stops. uh, But ultimately is a really good asset in terms of a, of a quality mind in terms of scheme and all of that other stuff. He would have been one of the first guys I would have made sure to retain from the last uh, overall staff, and Norvell Norvell showed great judgment, in my view, in keeping both him and Stanford Samuels around. The final couple pieces are again off the field, and the, you know, obviously, we talked about Josh Storms previously that he was going to be the the strength and conditioning hire. That was made official after the after Memphis uh, after the Memphis bowl game. Josh storms will be the new strength and conditioning coach again, highly regarded within the community. You have to listen to other, if if you don't know a guy on the best you can do. And I don't know Josh storms. I've not, I've not interacted with him. I haven't looked at his programs. I haven't done any of that. All you can do is sort of put your ear to the ground and listen to what some people around the, uh, around the strength and conditioning community have to say. And he's well-respected and that's all you can ask for. And, you start to look at what he has done and I have seen some things I haven't seen like the full programs and all that, but I like his approach. And I think ultimately this is a, this is someone who's fully qualified to be in the, in the position who has a ton of experience working and implementing Norvell's vision. And I think will do an excellent job in that position. So I I think that's a, that's a solid hire. Now, before I do anything else here, I want to I want to relay a text that I got uh, a while back from one of the staffers during the Willie Taggart regime. So someone who was part of the Willie Taggart overall staff and I got the following and and basically said, you know, we're you know, I'm hoping Norvell does really well. He's a great hire, etc. But then here's here's what the what the text said they must greatly increase the support staff. FSU must have a recruiting coordinator, a director of player personnel, an assistant director of player personnel, director of high school relations, and a general manager or chief of staff. The truly elite programs have these areas covered and many support personnel underneath those directors. Whereas Florida State, under Taggart, had two or three people doing all of those jobs. That's not ideal. And that was not all Taggart's fault. Some of it was Taggart's fault. Some of it was straight up the administration cutting budget as soon as he arrived on campus. But here's where the real rubber meets the road. One of the big hires that was just made was the chief of staff, Bruce Warwick. That crosses off one of the main things on the list that was sent to me of these are positions that Florida State absolutely has to fill out. Bruce Warwick is a guy who you read his his resume in terms of where he's been, he was he was chief of staff for the Rams in the last, what, five years, was instrumental in their move from, uh, from St. Louis back to LA and handling a lot of the facility stuff and all of the organizational stuff, all of the travel stuff for the Rams. And if, if, you, you just have to understand how disorganized Florida State has been in the football program to know how important that hire is and Norvell went and hired a really good one. I mean, a guy who could be an athletic director. It's just a, a staggeringly good hire hire. I mean, and that's, <laughs> and another one on that list, director of high school relations. Well, one of the first hires that Norvell brought with him, Carlos Locken or Lachlan coach Locke, as everybody calls him. Coach Locke is going to be the director of high school relations. He's coached on the field before, but he's going to be responsible for maintaining all of that, all of those relationships across, across high schools in the state of Florida and South Georgia, making sure that, that all of that stuff is coordinated. Well, that's another box checked. They already have, uh, it looks like they're, they're probably going to keep the recruiting coordinator who developed up, uh, up the, up the chain, just recently and really worked his tail off and held this rec- in and holding this recruiting uh recruiting class together just recently and that's Effie Levi I think they'll probably keep Effie and they should keep Effie he's a rising rising star in in in, the, in that side of things in my view and he he understands the technology and can evaluate and do a lot of that work. I think he's going to have a role. So that's three of that list and they're and Norvell is steadily ticking off each one of those things organizationally that needs to be needs to be addressed. That is a big deal. That is a big big deal. So, yeah. <laughs> When you take all that together and then you add to that, that they're already dealing, they're already addressing some of the other issues through the transfer portal. Deshaun Corbin, the, the former Florida state commit, who was the starting running back at Texas A&M until he tore his hamstring the beginning of this year, put his name in the transfer portal, recognizing that he was not likely to regain his position at Texas A&M for next year after that injury. Well, he's on board now committed to Florida State. He'll be on campus in the spring. Then Devontae Taylor, a, a grad transfer from FIU on the offensive line, bringing in more bodies on the offensive line. Now, Corbin, the real question is how healthy is that hamstring going to be and how soon? And Taylor, even though he played offensive tackle, he played right tackle at FIU. I'll be honest, I've looked at, I've looked at him there. I'm, I'm not sure to be honest that he's an upgrade, uh, that if he, I'll say this, if he's, if he's, uh, starting at tackle next year, it's still not good. I think he's more of a guard and they don't really need help at guard, but having additional bodies and bringing a guy in for one year who might help is a good idea. Bring it, bring in five offensive line, single year transfers, if you can, and let them all figure out who can play. And Norvell has been very aggressive on that front. And they're they're getting aggressive in terms of who they're offering for some of the other key roles and all of that. All right, I'm already running long here, but I'm going to go ahead and thank my second sponsor. That's Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jackson, Jacksonville, Florida. Louis is the best in the business, trained photographer, videographer. If you're listing your house, you need to have Louis list it because it will never look better than when Louis gets it, gets it done for you. And also, if you're going to go and try to find a house in the greater Jacksonville area and you don't hire Lewis as your, as your realtor. Well, I pity the fool. You need to get in touch with Lewis, let him know you heard about him from the unconquered podcast and buy your house or sell your house in the greater Jacksonville area with the help of Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to rapid fire some questions here that have come in through uh Patreon and other uh, elsewhere uh want to hit through some of these a number of them have come in that have been similar so I'm just going to I'm going to kind of punch through pretty quickly. Number 1. Was I surprised that Norvell did not make Jeff Sims a priority? Yes, I was surprised. Now, in hindsight, when I look at who he landed at quarterback, I think it's pretty clear that he felt uh, that he has a type at quarterback that he felt uh fit his offense a little bit better than Sims and um Ultimately, I think it makes th- that that mix what he did makes sense, and getting Chubba Purdy and Tate Rotemaker, uh I think actually is a little bit of an upgrade over just getting Sims. You get two bodies instead of one and and Chuba is I think as good a prospect overall, roughly as good a prospect as Sims, although Sims I think is a little bit more dynamic and might have a little higher ceiling uh but we'll see I mean Sims has to get grow a little bit as a as a thrower. But, uh, Sims is going to be a really good quarterback at Georgia Tech. But again, I, I was surprised. I I have to, I have to admit, I was surprised, but I was also surprised that Norvell in a week and a half was able to land Rotomaker and Chubba Purdy. And that explained why he did it. So yeah, I was surprised. Uh, next question, uh, is Norvell looking for a pro style quarterback that can read the field? The same kind of quarterback Jimbo was looking for, et cetera. Um, Yeah, I think it's not exactly. So he wants every, every coach. If you can get a quarterback that can run and all things are equal and you have two quarterbacks, one that can run and one that can't, you take the one that can. And all we have to do is look at what Trevor Lawrence did with his legs. And you say, well, Trevor Lawrence is a is a is a pocket passer. Yeah, but the guy can also run. And that's a bonus. Right. So but that is a bonus for Norvell. He's not looking for a guy where running is the primary thing. It's a bonus. And one thing that's very clear that he's looking for is a guy that can throw the vertical with touch and accuracy. That's what he wants. So, and and in that, that respect, he does want a lot of the same things out of his quarterbacks that Jimbo wanted. He wants somebody that can make great decisions and throw with touch and throw down the field with touch. So, yeah, a lot of similarities to what Jimbo is looking for. Uh, next question. Uh, Is Norvell's offense a better fit for Blackman than Bryle's offense? Also got another one. Do you expect Blackman to be the starting quarterback next year in 2020? I don't think so. Um, I don't think Blackman, so I don't expect Blackman to be the starting quarterback next year. Um, He might be, but I would bet against it. And in terms of whether he's a better fit for Blackman than Bryle's offense, probably yes, because he's not asking for, uh, it, it's, a, it's a different kind of offense in the kinds of, of, uh, reads and so on that he he's asking him to make are closer to what he was familiar with making in Jimbo's offense. And he seemed more comfortable with that, but ultimately I don't know that Blackman's still all that great of a fit, even in Norvell's system. Uh, that's, but if he, if he throws the, the downfield ball, if he throws the, some of those verticals, well, then that does, that does fit. So, but I, I think ultimately I would bet on another quarterback being the the primary, uh being the starter in 2020. But that at, at this at this stage that's just a guess. Okay, next question. Uh does Norvell run a pro-style offense with an up-tempo style? Or, you know, are these the same or similar concepts that Jimbo ran without the tempo? Okay, so I've gotten my hands on some of the uh all 22 film from a couple of uh, games that Memphis uh, has played under the, in the Norvell uh, regime. And also uh, a few examples of, of how Norvell draws up some concepts. Uh, And, and so I, I I got my hands on some of that stuff. And the first thing that stood out to me was that it is, it, it, it resembled, it reminded me a lot of what I've, what I've gotten from Clemson in the past. So that's that's the biggest similarity. Um I think there's a there's some places where he's pretty similar to Jimbo. Uh one place where they're very similar is the quarterback's going to walk to the line of scrimmage in Norvell's system with like three options minimum. And Norvell does not like the off the defense to to be holding the chalk last. The quarterback's going to come to the come to the line of scrimmage and there's going to be a run call and then there's going to be a couple of different pass options that are pre-snap options and so it's not what a lot of people would call an rpo it's not you know where you're reading a conflict player after the snap but based on alignment and that sort of thing this could be a run or it could be a pass at the line of scrimmage or you could flip the run or you can check to this or that and all of that stuff's going to be on the table for the quarterback for norvell and that's where things are very similar to what jimbo fisher did and i personally that's my favorite approach as many of you longtime listeners know, I'm I'm a firm believer in in that kind of thing. Uh so there's there's a good amount of complexity that's there. Uh but they're doing it at a higher higher pace for sure and a bit more aggressive in in overall approach than Jimbo uh took. Which again, I that was my big complaint about Jimbo over the years was s- specifically fourth down stuff and some of those things. Uh, I, and, 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 some of the tempo stuff, I, I felt like he, they would have been better served going a little higher tempo with more talent and also being just a bit more aggressive on some of that Norvell is that, but yeah, there's some similar concepts. I don't think he does as much. And again, I've only gotten my hands on some stuff at this point, and I'm still trying to break down some of the film to see how exactly they're, they're reading some things, but I don't think they're doing as many full field reads. So where you have five live why you know there are five receivers released out, and there, you basically have five five live receivers. You can throw to any of the five, and you're fully coverage reading. I don't think there's as much of that in this system as what Fisher did. I mean, that was that was core to Fisher's approach. Norvell is a bit more on uh, using specific concepts to get looks that he wants, and then set up more. I mean, he's he's going to have he's the kind of coach that's going to have eight or nine shot plays on the table for each game. He's trying to, he's trying to to get, he's trying to hit you deep and he's trying to hit you on verticals. He's trying to hit a seam and let a guy with speed make a big play. I mean, that's the, that's, that's the design. It's less throw the, you know, why option on Houston, you know, six times up the field. This is, Oh, they're coming out in quarters. Well, post alert. And we're going to go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and run our check here to make sure that we get that safety down and quarterback, take it. You know, it's, it's very much a, uh, less a don't, you, you know, Jimbo used to say, can't go broke, taking a profit. It's less the can't go broke, taking a profit approach than the, look, if the big play is there, take it. You know, if, if there's a chance that you can, that you can have a touchdown here and there's a low, low odds of, of, of a, uh, of a turnover, go for the big play. That seems to be the, uh, the, the, the approach there. But there are lots of little ball control options built in, and, and it's, it's a very diverse offense. I'm impressed so far. I'm really impressed by what I'm seeing from Norvell. There's a lot of the things, Norvell does a lot of the things that I really like from Jeff Braum in terms of being able to spring guys wide open down the field uh, on post routes and, and, and verticals while also having a really diverse running game. And, and that's something that I think is, is very exciting. So some similar concepts to what, with what Jimbo ran, particularly in the running game, uh, with higher tempo, they vary their tempo a lot. And then I think more of a, a, I think the passing game approach, I would compare it more to Clemson than to, uh, than to Jimbo so far. And again, I'm still, I'm still trying to break this down and trying to learn myself. That's my preliminary judgment. All right. Um, final, final question here. Uh, Norvell, is, I've heard Norvell is meeting with each player on the team and, and that he's trying to find out how things were run the past two uh, two seasons. Is this true? Does this happen when a new coach takes over most of the time? So yes and yes, it typically does happen. Uh, And Norvell not only did that with players, but he did that with the coaches that were remaining as well. So he met with, say, Bryles and Clements, and he's had a lot of discussions with Odell and uh, and uh and Dugans and so on, trying to figure out how things were run. What they think the problems were, where they think changes could be made for the better. And then he's making his judgments and assessments based on that and also his own personal philosophy. So he wants to know the full deal. Where were the problems? You know, if you were, and, and this is the sort of thing that he was, you know, asking with Bryles and the rest if you were taking over, what are the changes you would make right away? <laughs> That's got to got to give the man credit because he's coming in and doing the he's doing that and he's finding out from the players what do you think was wrong where 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 can where can we get better and you know he's had an open ear so that is a a very important thing again encouraging uh it appears that he is secure enough in himself as a coach that he's more than willing to enlist help and that's an important an important trait and that's one of the reasons I think why he's had such success in terms of molding other coaches is because he he actually allows them to have ownership and helps mentor them. And again, this is a Todd Graham thing uh, going all the way back to Graham. And speaking of excellence, by the way, Garage Makeovers is a top rating rated garage remodeling company in South Florida. If you need anything done in your garage, overhead storage, polyaspartic flooring, cabinet shelving, slot wall accessories for anything you have, Give Nathan a call. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. Winter's a great time, by the way, to get your your garage done. want to thank Garage Makeovers for their sponsorship of this show over the last year or so. All right, that's going to do it for us today. And now before we get out of here, I also want to thank my supporters over at Patreon above the Bleach Numbers level. That's Casey, Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Vin, Travis Smith, Nat, and now also Vince Calandra. And as always, Bert Bertoldi of course, make sure to catch our next podcast. I will cover the, uh, I will cover the sun bowl after the fact, just not going to do a preview. And then we're going to do, we're going to spend plenty of time breaking down recruits and talking, uh, scheme and plenty of other stuff and lots of stuff going to go up on Patreon in January. I'm Jason Staples. This has been the unconquered podcast brought to you by EPR creations, Luis Marquez and garage makeovers. Thanks for listening.